You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you Carmelite Conversations on Carmelite Spirituality with Francis Harry. Well, welcome to Carmelite Conversations on Carmelite Spirituality here on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. I'm Francis Harry, a secular discalced Carmelite, and I'll be hosting tonight. My co-host, Mark Danis, will be back next week with us. Um, but I have a special guest, so it is going to be a conversation. And our title for this program is called A Call to Carmel as an OCDS. Um, but as with every program, I'd like to start first with prayer. And this prayer is called Prayer for the Grace of Discernment. And it's about discerning a call. And I think that goes with our topic for this program. I do not know the author of this prayer, but it is a good prayer. So as in all prayer, let us remember who it is that we are going to be speaking to and get recollected within putting the uh, distractions of the day aside and just focus this moment on the Lord within. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, my God and my loving Father, you have made me to know you, to love you, to serve you, and thereby to find and to fulfill myself. I know that you are in all things and that every path can lead me to you. But of them all, there is one especially by which you want me to come to you. Since I will to do what you want of me, I pray to you, please send your Holy Spirit to me, into my mind, to show me what you want of me, into my heart, to give me the determination to do it, and to do it all with my love, with all my mind, with all my strength, right to the end. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, our program title for tonight is A Call to Carmel as an OCDS. You're like, well, okay, what's an OCDS? OCDS are the initials that stand for Secular Order of Discalced Carmelite. Or if I were to say them in the order of those initials, order of Carmelites, Discalced Secular, OCDS. Now, I wanted to bring on a guest I've had many times before, Colleen Salinger. She is a professed Discalced Carmelite, secular. She leads the aspirant group um, in the OCDS um, for our Mother Good Council community here in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I think the last time I had her on, we were talking about General Dessonis, uh, a Carmelite, and uh, his life in France. Um, she is a wife and mother of six, the youngest just turned four, so she was celebrating birthdays yesterday. Um, she is a homeschooler, and um, it is my privilege and honor to have Colleen back. Colleen, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me back again. Oh, it is always a joy. And um, knowing that you are leading the aspirant group in the Dayton community, um, I knew that this would be a topic about this call to Carmel. I knew that this would be a topic that you could talk about. Um, and so I know that people who are interested 
in Carmelite spirituality would find this helpful, as well as um, other Carmelites who are wanting to know how to answer these questions when people ask them. Right, yes, because <laughs> so sometimes you... it's hard to, to answer. Even if you've been in for a few years, it's difficult to be able to say exactly what it is that we do and, and what you are. Right, so I think our our conversation um, is going to help shed some light on that. Well, I'd like to begin by asking you, Colleen, how did you get into Carmel? <laughs> and how did you get introduced to Carmelite spirituality? Yeah, I, I would have to say that my first introduction to Carmelite spirituality came up before I even exactly knew that it was Carmelite spirituality. For many years, I've been reading St. Therese, um, just her... The little flower? The little flower, yeah. how, how much, much her writing had an impact on me, that the smallest things we do make such a difference. Um, and then and as, as I went on deeper into spiritual reading, I came upon St. Teresa and her, you know, everything she has to say about prayer. And how that would be St. Teresa of Avila or St. Teresa of Jesus, her yes. religious name. Um, okay. You know, just how prayer is just a conversation with God. Um, as a mother, I liked her her quote about you know being in the, in the pots among the pots. God God is among the pots and pans. Right. You know, yes, even, we can relate to that as homemakers. <laughs> and then even um, Saint John of the Cross, which I didn't read as much about uh, by him before I got in there, but he spoke to me right away. Just little quotes that that are famous out there, you know, about the where there is no love, put love, and you will find love. And, I love that one. Yes, and and so um, I would say that when I first came, it was not with a particular inclination to. Carmel, it's just because I had um, been, I, I had felt an interior call to something more special for so many years, and Carmel was just another one on the list of things that in my search. So how did you find out about the OCDS, the secular order? It happened to show up in my bulletin that the church bulletin that there was going to be a meeting and not only that, in my home parish. So that made it even easier as a mother with young children to mm. sneak away for that. And so the, the first time you read that church bulletin announcement, what did it do to you inside? I mean, did you kind of like, oh, aha? Well, it was because I had been reading St. Therese at the time, and it mentioned her in the little blurb, and I thought, oh, hmm, coincidence or a Holy Spirit moment? Maybe I should give this a try. Oh, so you felt a tug within your heart, and something you related to, we said of Teresa of Avila, um, and so you're like, maybe I'd love to look into this. Right. And I'm so glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right, so um, then, you know, your experience then, you, you came to visit Right. And what was your impression? Um, well, actually, the first time I tried, it, it didn't work out because my child, who was number five, who was youngest at the time, just uh -huh. was not happy with me being gone for an afternoon. Uh -huh. But that was all right. It just wasn't the perfect timing for me yet. I came back when she was a little older. And, um, you know, I, I didn't feel that, oh, yes, this is the vocation I have right away. Um, I continued formation every year just because it was working right then at the time. Mm -hmm. And I want people to know that because, um, you know, some people come to the secular Carmelite meetings knowing exactly, oh, I, I know I'm supposed to be here and I know I have a call. And I didn't feel that. But obviously, as it played out over the years, I, I did have that call. So anybody who might be feeling that, you know, or even know somebody who says, oh, yes, I knew right away that this was where I was supposed mm -hmm. to be. Even if you don't have that, you might still have a vocation. Just give it time. Right. I know um, many people, um, having served as a president, as a council member on, in many different communities, I was a council member, and many people would, in 
after visiting, they're like, it felt like home. You know, I felt like I was around people uh, where we had something in common. Uh, this love for Teresa, um, this love for the Blessed Mother, of course, uh, being our Lady of Mount Carmel, um, and this desire to grow in holiness. So um, those were all good things. But but other people were like, you know, I just got to figure what this is about. And I, I know a lot of people want to know, is, is this legit, <laughs> you know, or is this just some person putting together a group for their parish? So maybe you can kind of give us an, an idea of what's the hierarchy um, and, you know, uh, is it a legit uh, group. <laughs> it is legit. Um, it's international. It's not just your local parish. It just was a happy coincidence that the my community is meets where it meets. Um, it is international in scope, and we are in line with the church, and we answer to the Pope. <laughs> yeah, we answer to the Pope. He's the man at the top. <laughs> That's a good place to be. Um, and in Carmel, um, we know that there are, you and I know this, but maybe some of our listeners don't know this. There are two branches. Right. There's the, um, the Carmelites of the ancient observance, and then there's the Discalce Carmelites. So maybe you could shed a little bit of light on that for right. us. Right. Well, uh, the OCDS, they just stem from the reform that was begun by St. Teresa of Avila and St. John of the Cross, and we are the Discalce Carmelites. Um, the Third Order Carmelites are part of the Ocarms. And for people who aren't familiar with that, you know, if you read anything in, in Catholic um, publications, you'll see some people with their name after their name. It says Ocarm, and some it might say OCD or OCDS, and that would be the difference. The Ocarms or the TOCs or the Third Order Carmelites for the old carms. For the ancient. Um, the mm -hmm. ancient, though they're part of That's the ancient right. observance, whereas OCD or OCDS are part of the Discalce Carmelite branch. All right. And so in the order, whether it's a Dominican, Franciscan, and in our case, Carmelite, there are three levels. Can you tell us what those are? Right. We have the friars, we have the nuns, and then what we have, we call what we call, the, we have what we call the seculars. All right. So those are in order one, two, three. But now those are don't mean that the number one order, the friars or the priest and uh, other orders, um, are are like the highest in authority, right? Right, right. Well, as I've heard you say this before, it, it's like a pie divided into thirds. The seculars are one third of that pie. We're, we're no lower than the friars or the nuns. Of course, we have a lot of respect for the other two parts of, of that we pie. Do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but we each part of that pie can reach society in different ways and have different functions um, uh, be because of where they are at, where God has placed them. So um, it's all good. So uh, the, I think one of the main differences that I wanted to point out uh, between the ancient observance, which would be the Ocarms uh, or the Order of Carmel of the ancient observance, um, is that the ancient observance uh, look th through the eyes of Elijah as they determine everything. Uh, it's through that perspective, through that lens. Whereas for the discalced, they are through the reform that St. Teresa of Avila and St. John the Cross did. And um, so everything is looked through the lens of Teresa and John uh, as the mother, the holy mother and uh the form reformers of the order for us. So um, we are two distinct orders, though. We're not the same order. Right. We have, it was in Teresa's shortly after her life or near the end of her life, it was um, 
legally <laughs> made a distinct order. And so there was some politics and all that. And don't ask me to go into that. <laughs> That's another program. We'll That's have many to have... other programs. Mark yeah. will have to do that one. <laughs> all right. So what kind of people then are generally attracted? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I got to go back to this. What does it mean to be secular? A, a secular, because some, you know, you and I use that term so much. Right. We're used to that. But other people, well, what's a secular um, quite simply, the laity, those who aren't the consecrated religious. Although for the secular Carmelites, you could have a diocesan priest or a deacon as a member of the secular order. Right. Because they're not affiliated with any other order. Right. So that works. So, all right. So any diocesan priest or any of the laity can be part of the secular order, discalced Carmelites. Yes. All right. Um, so what kind of people are generally attracted to Carmel? I pulled a beautiful quote that comes from a book we have called Welcome to Carmel. It's out of print now, but you can still get it. Um, Carmel is a way of life that fosters an ever-increasing awareness of being united with God in the depths of our being while leading ordinary lives in the world. Oh, that's nice. And I love that. Um, it's, you know, those who enjoy silent time, quiet prayer, uh, Eucharistic adoration, the rosary, just taking the time. Um, Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity, an OCD, said, um, the love of silence leads to the silence of love. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I, I would say, too, that those who are attracted to Carmel are people who have um, who stick with prayer through the dry spells or even if they've fallen away, they, they recognize it. This is just a dry spell and I need to to stick with this and be um, committed to prayer. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. So it's a very prayerful, contemplative outlook on life and in the practice of prayer, uh, uh, a dedicated uh, regimen of practicing prayer. Right. Right. Um, and also, of course, uh, a love of Mary, you know, yes. because it's named after her. <laughs> if we remember the history, just the, the sense it was uh, originally on top of Mount Carmel in the spirit of, Elijah, mm -hmm. where the brothers of Our Lady of Mount Carmel gathered yes. uh, and gathered around her as as the center um, to help us uh, love the Lord. Okay, so um, now let's get into some details, though. Who may actually be eligible to enter the OCDS? Right. Well, we say um, uh, practicing Catholics, those who... Um, the way they, the way I've seen it written is if you can receive communion with a clear conscience, uh -huh. <laughs> that, that's why we, that's what we refer to as a practicing Catholic who would be, well, you know, who, who would find Carmel a place. And how old do they have to be? Um, 18 years old. All right. Um, and so then they come, uh, those are two, the two main ones uh, as far as being eligible. Um, but the, but uh, they got to be in good standing with the church, right? Um, of course, according to the sacraments. And then when they come to visit, you know, it's not just like I want to be in that group, right? You can't just say I want to be in the OCDS. Right. I'm 18 and I'm Catholic, so I can be in your group. You can't do that, right? Because <laughs> yeah. there's also the element of having the ability and the desire to commit to the daily requirements of the secular Carmelite, but as it is with the community as well. Um, in terms of being able to um, 
make the meetings and and uh, retreats, special days that we have like okay. that. But then also there is the sense that it is not just one person saying, "I want to be in that group." Right. I mean, it's a three way call. Can you can you talk to us a little bit about this three way call? What is that all about? Well, we can guess who must be the person doing the calling. And who <laughs> that might that be? be? Let's be top, clear. <laughs> at the top, that would be God. God calling. God must call you. All right. Um, you can so it's a true call. It's not just a, a desire, I want to be in it. Right. It's, it's it a discerning, a true call. Become discerning a, a call from God, yes. Um, and then, of course, the person themselves, but also the counsel of the community. Um, okay. It's a mutual discernment, too. Uh, that's why you, you meet with them throughout various times in your formation, mm-hmm. um, because it's it's a two-way street. Right. And the, the council is the governing body for the OCDS. Right. And uh, although the, we have a de- president, they're just kind of the mouthpiece uh, for the council. Um, but the council, on behalf of the church, does the discerning. So it's an ecclesial uh, dimension to this call that is confirmed through the council acting on behalf of the church and of the order, of course. And as well, we have spiritual advisor in a, uh, you know, in the form of a priest who can help us with those things. Yeah, the spiritual assistant. Spiritual assistant, yes. Right. Okay. So we know a little bit about the hierarchy. We know who's eligible and um, that they're in good standing. How would one go about discerning if they do have this call to the secular order of Discalced Carmelites? Initially, I would just say come to the meetings. <laughs> yeah, That's how you're going to work that out. <laughs> well, and plus, uh, once you come to the meetings, you've got the help of the people there, mm-hmm. the council, um, the people who are leading uh, the groups, the visitor groups, the aspirant groups, uh, they help. And then, of course, you can always go to your spiritual director or confessor mm-hmm. for some guidance. Um and I'm sure that many confessors have probably counseled people to look into uh, third orders, yes. be it Dominican or Franciscan or, or Carmelite. And I, I mentioned those three because I'm most familiar with those three. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yes, a visit. Now, before one visits, they probably should know a little bit about what an impediment to becoming an OCDS is. An impediment, it would be something that prevents you from being eligible to be an OCDS. So what would some of the impediments be? Right. If you're not Catholic, if you're under the age of 18. Oh, I got to go back. Uh, We actually had someone when I was um, president who who wanted to come in that was not Catholic. And so, I mean, you know, that does happen. Mm-hmm. So you, we do have to establish it. It is a for a Catholic group because we are talking about the sacraments a lot and we are ca- talking Catholic theology. So being a Catholic is important. And not only being a Catholic, but you have to be um, a Catholic for at least 18 months now is what the statutes say um, because they don't want you to be a brand new Catholic because, you know, there's so much to learn as a new Catholic in the church. Uh, so it is, I thought that was a very wise uh, statute put in place, mm-hmm. That um, at least in our province. I know our United States is divided up into three provinces. And you want to tell us a little bit about that? Do you remember the three provinces? Right, there's um, the Washington province, which is pretty much the eastern portion of the United States, the Oklahoma province, which takes care of the middle, and then the California, California Arizona, Arizona yeah. Province, yeah, which is the West Coast. And I know they all have their names, like I think the Washington provinces of the Immaculate Heart of Mary mm-hmm. um, province, I think, if I remember correctly. But So they all have their name. But um, anyway, so these impediments. So not Catholic right. is an impediment. Under the age of 18, of course, is an impediment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
What else? If you're not able to participate in the sacraments or okay. something that would impede you from that. Okay. Um, if you're married, if you haven't been married in the church, or if you remarried outside of the church, um, if you have hold beliefs that are expressly in opposition to church teaching. Yeah, like if you are pushing contraception, that would not be um, you. That would be not acceptable. Right. Um, so continuing on from that, even living a lifestyle that's considered scandalous and in opposition to church law. Um, or also, if you belong to another secular order or the, um, those belonging to other organizations whose membership would prohibit them from participating fully in the life of the secular order. And I've seen that happen before where somebody's like, well, my Marian group meets on that day, so I can't come to the Carmelite meeting. Right. Uh, I'm like, well, you know, you're going to have to choose because uh, and we'll have to use that as part of the discernment because uh, there is a commitment uh a monthly commitment of of coming to the meetings, so um, that's important. But uh, tell us what an OCDS community is not. <laughs> what it is not, right? It's not just like a Bible study. You were talking about my Marian group. It, it's not a Bible study. It's not just uh, like a, a Catholic book club. Um, it's not just a way to educate yourselves about various. Carmelite saints or Carmelite spirituality. It's so much more than that. That's why we, it is vocation. Yes, it's a vocation and it is part of an order that is established. And, and we know this goes back uh, a long time. So, um, you know, I have seen people come in and just think of it. Well, I just want to learn about Teresa, Trez and John, you know, the three doctors of the church that happen to be discalced Carmelites. Um, but no, it is not a study group and it is not a social group. It's not a group to even where you just want to have holy friends. No, um, we, we have a vision and we have uh, practices that we uh, do and and formation, and it, it is a mindset, and it's a way of life. And so uh, it's important to know what an OCDS community is not. Yeah, and so it's good then going back, backtracking just slightly, that as far as the impediments go, it's not because we're some exclusive tr club trying to keep people out. It's that if, if you are, you know, if you have any of these impediments or if you have a, a, a stronger des desire to be a part of a different sort of group, well, then... Carmela wouldn't make you happy anyway, so right. that, that wouldn't be your calling. Then. Right, and and if you're in the wrong place, then you're not where God wants you. Exactly. You want to be where God wants you and do God's will, because that's where you grow the most. Um, all right, so what happens when somebody decides, oh, okay, well, I'd like to visit. I, You know, I saw that little church <laughs> bulletin with that little blurb. You know, what do I do now? How do I find a community? Right, that would be lovely if everybody had the blurbs in their church bulletin, but not everybody does. But, you know, we have the Internet now, and I, I would say that would be the first place to go. Um, the Washington province does have its own website. website yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's www.ocdswashprov.com. Dot org. Right. And um, the other provinces have theirs too. So. And just do a, do a search because they're, they're all there. Um, as we mentioned, the Oklahoma and the California, Arizona, you can find them online if you're in those areas. But if they can't, if they don't have a computer and they want to find out, what would you suggest they do? I would think maybe call call the diocesan right, office, the right? The diocesan office should be able to help you with that. And that's because every diocese um, should have a list of all the religious groups. I know when we formed a new community in Dayton, we had to get the permission of Archbishop, um, well, at that time, let's see, Plazard, Plargic. Plargic, yes. Yes, we had to get his permission um, in order to begin um, because, uh, you know, we are going in the authority of 
the the church. So that was important. Um, all right. So we are already at this time for a break. We're going to take a little bit of a break, but. When we come back, we're going to get into more of the nitty-gritty about what happens when you come to a Carmelite meeting for a visit and then what happens if you decide you want to go further. So we're just going to take a little bit, a bit of a break, and then we'll be right back. So stay tuned.
listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now return to Carmelite Conversations on Carmelite Spirituality with Francis Harry. Well, welcome back. And I have a guest with me, Colleen Solinger, and we're talking about a call to Carmel as an OCDS, which is a uh, from the Order of Carmelite Discalced Secular. Um, so we were just talking about uh, what a OCDS community is and is not, who's eligible. And now what we want to talk about, Colleen, is, you know, uh, I, and I know different communities are a little different. So what we're talking about is just kind of a, a model. So things can be a, a little variation here and there from, from because this is ha- happening all over the world, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, what usually happens when a person comes for a visit then? That's where you just get your introductory overview where you kind of go over what we're talking about here on the radio tonight. And what kind of questions might they have answered in such a visit? Um, just about, you know, what what kind of a time commitment might this be? Or, you know, you might discuss your current prayer habit so you can see where it lines in with what a fully professed Carmelite member would would be required to do every day. Can you tell us what, like for our meeting, just kind of give us a schedule of what happens during our meetings and, and our day. We start at one o'clock, right? Right. We start at one o'clock. We start with um, our, our, the first hour is taken up with um, everybody going to their formate, what we call the formation classes. And what kind of classes do we have going on? So it would on? be the visitors, people who are coming for the first time and want to find out more about it. The aspirants class. Um, then you have the people who are preparing to make their first temporary promises. And then there's another formation class for those who have done their temporary promises and are preparing to do their definitive, their final promises. And then um, there would be one more class for those, we call it ongoing formation, people who are definitively promised Carmelites and um, they going through ongoing formation. And we got to keep learning. Yes. You never learn enough. There's always <laughs> more to learn. Okay. So um, that's the first hour in our community. Some right. communities that, that happens at the last hour or could even happen on a different day than their community meeting. We just happen to have that formation time with our community. So then what happens after um, that hour of formation right. at two o'clock? Then the next, well, there's just a little bit of time transition socializing before, you know, between the two um, the, before the next section. And that's very important. Right. That, because we're, we're giving, we're sharing the presence of God with each other, you know, uh, in our lives and, you know, create, creating our family bonds, our community bonds. Right. Which, you get to know the people who are new. You can touch base with old friends. <laughs> Ask others yeah. questions about right. your Carmelite spirituality yes. or discuss something further from formation. Uh, right. It's a great time. And we usually have something to eat there too. Yes, that's always do. good. <laughs> our community is very good about providing food yeah (laughs) all right and then what happens and then um the next hour section is it's kind of a combination of the business meeting where we go over um it could be anything upcoming retreats or um who's who's sick and needs prayers we do a lot of petitions then yes um, um, that's also the time where we do a larger group formation, a community presentation community, for right. the, yeah, for the community and at large. <laughs> it, it, for us, it's changed. Sometimes we spend a number of months going over a book or sometimes it's just a, a, a theme a, or yeah, a theme or just a one-off on a, an article that somebody's sharing or a book or, you know, and, but it's just over in that one time. All right. And I know our council discerns what 
the community at large needs. Right. And I know part of it uh, of our business meetings, we do a little bit of the Constitution, the the right. Constitution for the OCDS is so we're learning uh, more and more about that. All right. So um, and then after that community and the community meeting and the community presentation, then what do we do? We finish up with a holy hour. Um, We're spoiled, aren't we? (laughs) Yes, we're spoiled because we get to have exposition during our holy hour. It's beautiful. And um, we do evening prayer together. Yes, during that evening prayer um, or during that holy hour, we have evening prayer. And um, it's very important that we pray together. And I know that one of the stipulations from the Washington province was that we also have 20 minutes of silence together. So um, we practice that mental prayer together. So we do it as a community. And I like that too, because right, that's what we're we're all about. And we are meant to be doing that on our own every day. But it, it is nice to do that too then. In a crowd. There's, there's just something so special about being. It's a presence. <laughs> yes, it's that, yes. that, uh, it, it's like the more of us gathered, the, the more potent it sometimes seems to be. So, all right. Well, then what kinds of questions, um, might be discussed more? You know, I know one of them, of course, is what is a secular discussed Carmelite, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but you know, like, what is their purpose? What, what else might they be asking about in all of this? Right. They, you know, because purpose, that is, uh, that is a big one. You know, what, what are you all about? I'm, I'm feeling this call or somebody's invited me here. Just what do you do? Well, yeah, what's your point? <laughs> <laughs> um, we say as Carmelites, we are, we know God so that he may be known. Um, we know God better through interior prayer, through growing closer to him and in one's relationship with him so that therefore he can be better known to the world. Um, as secular Carmelites, it, it can mean, evangelizing um, others in good, deep conversations with fellow Catholics. But it can also be, you know, evangelizing in in ways where you perhaps never even mention God's name to a stranger, but you're treating them charitably because you recognize that that person is made in the image and likeness of God. Oh, that's Um, beautiful. Yeah, I would say personally, Carmelite has done this for me in terms of, um, I, I admit, I have patience issues when it comes to driving and, you know, waiting in lines at stores. Um, I, I've known this is my problem for a long time, but it, it was Carmel that's given me a more profound understanding that he dwells in everyone. And so that that helps me to be charitable when I'm behind the wheel or when I'm waiting in line behind somebody who's rude in the stores. Mm-hmm. And um, I thank my secular vocation for helping me to do that. Well, and when we commit to prayer every day that is committing to letting god transform us yes more particularly because we're we're giving that 30 minutes a day to the lord um and then when we go out into the midst i mean we we could even feel like that half an hour was like you felt like you didn't pray at all, but you were committed. Your will was there. So, you know, we're not going to measure our prayer by how good it felt or how productive it was, because the bottom line is how much we loved the Lord. You know, did we look at him with love? Did we receive his love? And sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, uh, really the strength of will. <laughs> I'm here, God. I have my presence. That is the only thing I have to give to you at this very moment. <laughs> But that's good because, you know, uh, if we were there just for the bells and the whistles and all the feeling good, then, you know, it would be a very surface oriented um, spirituality. I think we, we've got to be there in the good times and the bad yeah. to, to, to prove our love, you know. Um, so um, 
what do these Carmelites do, Colleen? <laughs> um, for like during our formation times, um, well, what we're talking I, about, or yeah, they're they're gathering there to learn and then discuss and pray, and then when we go out into the world, then what are we doing? I mean, they they're supposed to be some kind of apostolate. Um, because Teresa says through prayer, as a result of prayer comes good works, right? Right. So, um, the, the Carmelites usually have some kind of ministry outside of the community. I think we're doing one right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I want to preface it by saying that each individual Carmelite can have, obviously you've got your own apostolate. That's what it is about being a secular. Mm -hmm. So whether you work in a bank or whether, you know, whatever it is you do, but as a community, we do. Um, Carmelite Conversations would be one of them. Yes. Um, we host uh, prayer groups at mm-hmm. different locations in the Dayton area. Uh-huh. The Torresian Prayer Groups. We yes. do. Um, we, there's also the uh, Novena for St. Therese. Yes, the Little Flower, yeah. which you're leading. Yes. yes. <laughs> Those are wonderful. And then, of course, we have seminars every now and then. And, um, yeah, it, it is important for us to learn about prayer, uh, to live prayer, and then also to convey uh, what we've learned to others to help them to learn to pray. But, you know, I, I know one of the important things is the attendance. Um, so most communities have an, an attendance policy. Mm. And why is attendance so important? Well, well, what we said just a few minutes ago, this is a vocation. This isn't just your Bible study or your book group or, or something like that. And and so attendance is expected at all monthly meetings, retreats, any days of recollection. Um, and it's strict because we do take it seriously. Um, having said that, as seculars living in the world, <laughs> there are things that happen. Illness, if you have uh, transportation issues, unavoidable family obligations are all excusable reasons. Right. So, But communication with counsel being the essential thing that if you just don't show up, nobody knows, well, did she have the flu or did she just want to go on a picnic because it was a lovely day? Right. So. <laughs> yes. So commitment to the order is important because, number one, this is where you're being formed, uh, particularly as a Carmelite. Um, where else are you going to get all this uh, Carmelite formation if not in your Carmelite meetings? Exactly. So, uh, plus, secondly, I think it, it, it's we're presence for each other. Even if we don't speak, just our manner of carrying ourselves or our manner of listening to others sends signals, um, you know, of how much love, humility, patience, kindness, you know, the virtues, how much those are being exemplified um, and modeled by other members. Um, So just because you're there and you don't speak weird um, doesn't mean you're not doing anything because your presence alone could speak volumes. Of course, I know that they do like everybody to try to contribute, uh, especially in your small groups, you know, because we want to know what's going on in your heads, you know. Um, all right. So what's the procedure then for, for actually getting past being a visitor? Right. Um, you fill out an application. Uh, you would also have to provide a copy of your baptismal certificate and, if applicable, your marriage certificate. Um, meeting with counsel. I'm not sure. Is that something that happens in every community or is it just ours? I, I think it's in, in, in all the communities. Okay. Because um, that's part of the discernment. You know, uh, each, in fact, at each uh, commitment to make a deeper uh, commitment at each level of the 
the aspirant to the temporary to the definitive promise. Each of those periods have discernments by the council to to discern. Um, are you called to make this next step? Right. All right. So um, we talked about this aspirancy a, a little bit. What What's the purpose of the aspirancy? Well, um, I'll, I'll read you right from the statutes. <laughs> the right. goal would be okay. Um, aspirancy is the time to present an overview of what it means to live out and understand the charism and spirit of Carmel as a layperson. This includes an introduction to the order's history and traditions, its legislation and its spirituality within the context of the Catholic Church and the local OCDS community. Aspirancy should assist the candidate and community in the discernment of a vocation. I think it also um, is important to help establish what is it that we require. I mean, there are certain obligations of a discalced Carmelite. And so those would be gone over and tried to be living those out and, and get help in trying to order your life to live out those commitments um, and, you know, continue to discern along the way. So I want to get into, you know, what do you actually cover in the aspirant class? You, you are the uh, leader of the aspirant <laughs> class, the yes. formator. Right. Um, so what, what is covered yeah, well, we, we talk about, again, you were talking about the basic requirements that, you know, come to the meeting, um, you must participate in your aspirancy class, beginning to set a regular time of daily meditative prayer mm-hmm. um, to begin at least part of the liturgy of the hours. That's a learning thing. Um, we discuss more than in the aspirancy. We don't discuss so much the practice of it. There's somebody who will help tutor people who are having trouble with that, more the history of it um, behind it we discuss, um, participating in daily mass as far as possible. Um, we, we go over all that, but then, um, it's, it's, uh, we, we talk about the history of Carmel, the, we go over the OCDS constitutions and we go over the rule right, of St. Albert, right? Rule mm-hmm. of St. Albert. Um, we do an overview of Carmelite prayer. Um, we did an introduction to the importance of the blessed mother and St. Joseph to Carmel because they are both important and we could go on and, you know, again, that would be more shows which have happened and still could happen, right? And of course, there are days that we fast before the big feast day. So you're helping them to get adapted into that. And and then um, uh, we do have some six M's that that we try to get people formed on. I want to get to that in just a second, but let um, let me go over one more thing. As a person... Uh, gets involved in the aspirancy. They they actually have to make an application, right, to mm-hmm. become an aspirant. So it's not just a, I want to be in that group and okay, we like you, you're in. Right. It's they got to fill out a form and give it to the council, and then the council is going to interview them, and then invite them if they think they have a call to that step. Mm-hmm. Then they would be invited to take that step. So, um, all right. So. Uh, some of the issues that you have to face when discerning whether to go forward, like, you know, uh, one of the things would be, you know, what does your family think of this? Right. So what what kind of issues might come up with a family? <laughs> right. Well, first of all, spousal support is essential because, um, you know, it's the more practical points of being a Carmelite. You, you have to be there. You, attendance is being mandatory. So um, with, with me and with you having children, children you yes. know, that they 
children have to be places and have activities. And if your husband isn't there to, to, to do that, then it would be impossible to participate. In I always thought this was a great Mother's Day out. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's good for the husband to take care of the family, you know, while we were in Carmel. Because um, my kids were babies when I, I was in the Carmelites long before my kids were even born and I know uh, you had several children and then more came along right. <laughs> um, and you have made it work but I know a lot of people kind of think that oh they've got to be done raising their family but I'm like no no don't wait you know uh, because just think of what a difference Carmelite spirituality has made in the raising of your family right. I mean because as we grow then that is exemplified and it aids our families to grow as individuals. And so I'm like, oh, please don't wait. Yeah. Uh, If you have the vocation, do come and and make it work. And I know the community has helped me out too. You know, during the last pregnancy, there was a bed rest and I couldn't make the meetings. Well, obviously it didn't kick me out for that. Right, (laughs) right. um, And sacrifices do have to be made. But on the other hand, the blessings so far outweigh. The vocation has enriched my my family life. You know, as I admitted before, it's made me a more pleasant person in the grocery store. I would say it's also made less selfish of a wife and mother as well. Right. And of course, the biggest time commitment would be the monthly meeting. Yes. And that um, for us, it's from one o'clock to four thirty. Right. And other communities, the time frame's different. I know we meet once a month on a Sunday afternoon. And I always think, well, Carmel's my family. So I know a lot of people think families for Sunday and I'm all for that. But Carmel is our family, too. Um so uh, some uh, orders or some communities meet on Saturdays or even during the week in the evening. So it, it varies, but we have some certain basics that we got to cover, right? right? And I would say there are so many, 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 many mothers out there who are already getting up before their children or having to stay up late after their children have gone to bed so they can get in their prayer time, get in their spiritual reading. And they're doing these things. And so it would just be a matter of doing it in the context of, what you know what you might be having to read for Carmel so it would really be you know that the meetings would be extra but perhaps your daily prayer life would not be all that different from what you're already doing right all right so let's get into this uh next question uh you know we talked about the time commitments and how you're going to work that out but um the next one is are we prepared to take a more take on a more disciplined spiritual life because i i know a lot of people want to grow And um, some people, I think, don't even know that you can grow spiritually. But yes, there is a spiritual life of growth uh, and you can advance in your growth in the spiritual life. And I think uh, as a third order member uh, is a great opportunity because it's already laid out for you. You know, the rule of St. Albert gives us direction. It's a plan of life that that really helps us take on this more disciplined spiritual life. But in the OCDS I know Father Aloysius Dini told us about the six M's yes. <laughs> uh, for the spiritual life of a, a OCDS. So can you go over the six M's for us and what they are? Right. Um, I'm going to list the M's first and then okay. we can go back and, you know, it would be meditation, morning prayer, mass, Mary, meetings, and mission. All right. Those no. are the six M's. Now <laughs> let's talk about them. So okay. meditation or mental prayer? Meditation, mental prayer. So that's the, your daily prayer would include um, a, a time of, of, of meditation, mental prayer. We say 
30 minutes. 30 minutes is our requirement. Right. And we might not be at 30 minutes at the very beginning right. when we first come oh, in, but, but yeah. that is the goal is and to let's get say, there. Implement it over time. So when you get started in formation and even beyond, it's, it's, you don't, some people are, some people do all these things already, but yes, implement it over time, easing yourself into it. Like training is for anything you would train for. Right. And this is one-on-one time with God. This right. isn't like, you know, just, uh, trying to have mental prayer while you're doing 101 other things. Right. <laughs> Multitasking. Yeah, this is uh, focused because uh, it's intimate. All right. So uh, it's like if you were having a very important conversation with your spouse, you, you don't want to be doing it while, you know, you're Put down the smartphone and, and yeah. make eye contact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same sort of thing, but with God. Yeah. Right. All right. So the, the next one, the uh, morning, morning, evening, prayer morning and evening these- prayer. Of yeah. the liturgy of the hours. So committing to saying that prayer in the morning, in the evening, and if possible, even the night prayer. That's a, It's not required, but it's such a good one to do because that's where you examine your conscience at right. the end and of the day. And about how many minutes does the morning prayer or evening prayer take? I, well, I mean, you can go through it in, in 15 minutes if you don't take the time to, you know... Dwell on it. I, I mean, mean you, yeah, you because sometimes you uh, are doing some of the prayers, and it just then you're caught up into a different kind of prayer. But uh, uh, yeah, if but we're if you were getting ready to go it. out to work because you you had to get out the door and get to work, you could do it in fifteen. Minutes. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. about fifteen minutes. Uh, but it's the great bookends of your day, right? The it morning is. prayer and evening. And of course, we know that the liturgy, of the hours where the morning prayer and evening prayer come from, that is the official prayer of the church. Yes. So all over the world, it's beautiful to think that internationally. Yeah. We are sharing this prayer with everybody. All right. And then, so the next M would be what? Mass. All right. And this would be, you know, uh, again, this is kind of depends upon your your daily schedule and daily life, um, but daily mass when you can do that. All right. And the next one. Mary, some sort of Marian devotion. Um, Is it saying the Angelus? It could be the rosary. It could be, you know, whatever it is that you do to to connect with your heavenly mother at some time during the day. All right. Great. Meetings. We have discussed this. Yes. All right. (laughs) Monthly meetings. (laughs) And And mission. Again, to know God via the Carmelite interior life so that God may be known. All right. Great. Now, I'm, I know we're running out of time. We always run out of time. We have so much more to talk about. So I'm going to just ask this. Um, I know Father Dini also wrote in his book, Welcome to Carmel, what, what a profile of an OCDS looks like. And there were six points. So could you just tell us what those are? Right. Shall I read the quote? Yeah. Right. yeah. What, okay. How does he describe this? This is what he said. I would describe a member of the secular order of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and St. Teresa of Jesus as a practicing member of the Catholic Church who under the protection of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and inspired by St. Teresa of Jesus and St. John of the Cross makes the commitment to the order to seek the face of God for the sake of the church and the world. All right. So in that one sentence are six distinct elements. I think we're going to have to have you back and have another conversation. (laughs) Maybe we should take it up on just that alone. (laughs) Because uh, uh, Father Dini wrote a a huge article on it. Uh, But I'm going to, can you give us some resources that uh, if people are interested in Carmelite spirituality, you know, uh, what might they uh, turn to to help? Um, Again, the the, um, article by Father Dini, you can find that online. it, I, I think I would start, I know that the OCDSWashProv.org that you quoted earlier, um, it has many of these articles that are from Welcome to Carmel. 
And then um, there's some books. There are books, yes. Um, Always books. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Secular Order of Discalced Carmelites. And that is uh, Father Dini, Eloish Dini. And that one is the one that is currently in print and that is used in our aspirant class. Um, we mentioned Welcome to Carmel. And that's some of the articles from that, or maybe all of them, you can find online. Um, but it, it, I know that it, it's out of print, but I know that you can find it on Amazon. Yeah. I've checked a few times. And OCDS Washprov has some of the chapters in that book um, posted for everybody since it's out of print. Right. And then another good one. This is what we do in the aspirant class as well. Um, oh, it, it's just Carmelite spirituality, Carmelite spirituality in the Teresian tradition. That is by Paul Marie of the Cross, an OCD. I can't recommend this one highly enough. It's just, yeah. it's, it's a good one. That, that could be another couple of Carmelite conversations as well. Um, and the Springs of Carmel, an introduction to Carmelite spirituality by Peter Slattery Ocarm. And another Ocarm author would be um, Johan Bergstrom Allen, who wrote Climbing the Mountain, the Carmelite Journey. That's great for the Third Order Carmelites. All right, well, here we are at the end, and I've got a minute left, so I, I, I want to get to our final prayer. But uh, I want to thank you, Colleen, because you've really enlightened uh, uh, this topic about, you know, uh, how do you ever begin and how do you know you might be called and, you know, what kind of person are we looking for that, you know, might might be a good fit for Carmel and what happens there. You know, no secret handshakes. Everything's nope, nope. legal, legit, and all the way <laughs> all to the Pope. So <laughs> that's really good. So I, I think we've learned a little bit here, and I'm so glad you joined us. I, I Now we have to have you back, though, so that we can go into that uh, profile of a Carmelite a little bit more. So thank you so much Well, for I'm coming. so glad you had me to talk about it. Thank you. <laughs> all right. So next week, um, my co-host, Mark Danis, will be back. We'll hope you'll join us. You know, you can check us out on Facebook. Facebook at Carmelite Conversations or email us at carmelite.conversations at yahoo.com or better yet, go to our website, um, carmeliteconversations.com um, and there's places that you can see our resources, our programs, links to the programs that are archived from Radio Maria and also um, find out uh, lots of other information. So I'm going to go to our closing prayer here. It's from the Sarah Club. And I thought it was perfect. It's a discernment prayer. So let us pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Walk with me, good and loving God, as I journey through life. May I take your hand and be led by your Holy Spirit. Fill me. Inspire me. Free me to respond generously to your call. For I believe you desire my deepest joy, and it is only in your company that my soul will be satisfied, and my life will find its meaning and purpose. Amen. In the name of the Father, and in the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, and join us next week. God bless you. <laughs>